Welcome to On Mission, the teaching ministry of the Mission Church in Irvindale. We exist to love God by loving others, leading them to become fully functioning followers of Christ Jesus. Today we conclude Mike's message on Luke. Again, who did he write it to? Well, I've already told you. Theophilus. What do we know about Theophilus? Not a whole lot, but we know this little bit. We know, first of all, that this, these words, most excellent, that are found there in verse 3, is not Luke's way of pumping up Theo's ego. It's a title that is reserved for Gentile government officials. That then tells us something about Theophilus. Most likely, he is a Roman government official. He is a non-Jew. He's a non-Jew who has come to some measure of faith in Jesus, and he needs to be discipled so that he can grow to his potential. He needs discipling. Theophilus, by the way, and this is interesting, I didn't know this, but Theophilus is not a name that would be common among Roman Gentiles. Theophilus actually is a compound word which means... One of these three things, loved by God, lover of God, friend of God. It's probably unlikely that a Roman set of parents would give their child that name. So it's believed that his real name is something different. That very likely, Lockyer again says, he he, he makes a case that perhaps this Roman official took that name when he became a follower of Jesus. We do have good record in, in the New Testament of people's names being changed after they become followers of Jesus, right? Saul becomes Paul. Now, I'm not going to stake my salvation on that. I'm just saying that, that, that that's something that is thought. So what you have here is you have in Luke a Gentile writing to another Gentile about a Jewish Messiah. Isn't that awesome? So Luke then, and here's what I really was going with this, here's what I want you to grab, is that Luke is the gospel that is uniquely suited for the Gentile mind. Now all the gospels are good for us, and we need to read them and understand them from their perspective. But Luke is going to come at us with the life and ministry of Jesus from a perspective of the mindset of the non-Jew. I'm just curious. How many Gentiles do we have in the house? Do, do we have any who are non-Gentile, any Jews in the house? Uh, one? Uh, uh, who, who, where? Oh, fantastic. Awesome. In our small group, you guys weren't there Thursday night. In our small group, uh, one of our small group participants raised his hand and said, I'm Jewish, was it 0.23 something? I don't know. It was, probably got it from Ancestry.com or something. I don't know. But, but cool, yeah. But see, again, I, as I figured, we are a massively a group of Gentiles. I think we're going to benefit from the gospel that is designed for us. How is Jesus presented in Luke? And by asking this question... And answering it, I'm then forecasting some of what you can expect to hear as we move forward. Number one, Luke presents Jesus as uniquely, uniquely human. Uniquely human. Yes, he's God. Luke makes that clear too. 
But he also makes clear that, that Jesus is not God pretending to be human. But that Jesus is the Son of God who actually becomes human. 100%. He's not 50% God and 50% human. He is 100% deity and 100% humanity. He becomes a brand new thing that never existed before. God in flesh. The nature of divinity and the nature of humanity... Luke traces Jesus' lineage back to the very first man, Adam. In so doing, he shows that the full scope of humanity, since all come from Adam, are part of this Messiah's concern. Number two, he shows Jesus, he presents Jesus as uniquely compassionate. Uniquely compassionate. Uniquely compassionate toward humanity whose lives are trapped in the grip of sin and death. And we find that Jesus' compassion is really poured out upon those whom the culture of the day thought these kind of people are throwaways. In the culture of the day, women were more than marginalized. They were completely unrespected, completely more sought, looked at as maybe a step or two above a slave. You find Jesus being very compassionate toward women. You find Jesus compassionate toward the children, even his disciples. Remember? When the, when the children crowded around Jesus and they're trying to shoo them off because Jesus is too important, he has too much to do to mess with you all, and Jesus says, no, 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 don't, don't forbid the children to come to me, for such is the kingdom of heaven. Jesus had compassion for those who were poor, for those who were sick, For those who were disenfranchised, that's where you found him more times than not. He was a compassionate one. Key to all of this is is Jesus' own statement found in Luke 19.10. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. As we move through this, this gospel of Luke, we will be blessed time and time again by seeing Jesus actually doing and involved compassionately with these kinds of people, which really gives us hope, does it not? It does me. Because I would name myself in many ways among those who are less in the world's eyes. A compassionate Savior pursues the lost. Other themes that are prominent in Luke are joy. Who needs a little joy in their life? I I can guarantee you that most of you need to be raising your hand. I don't know why you're sitting there like a lump on a log. You need joy because your face says, I'm I'm in desperate need of joy. Because you know, this world beats us up, does it not? It beats us down in so many ways. We need to discover that there is, even in the midst of the beat down, there is joy in Jesus when you allow his 
light to permeate all that you are. So you'll find the theme of joy. You'll find the theme of the overwhelming glory of God as he reveals himself, his presence in different places. You'll see how, how, how glorious he is. Luke is a gospel about the, the ministry of the Holy Spirit, just as Acts is a book, a record of the ministry of the Spirit as well. So we'll be seeing a lot of the ministry of the Holy Spirit of God, um, someone we desperately must know and cooperate with. You'll see the prayer life of Jesus. Luke is the gospel of the prayer life of Jesus. As you see, isn't it interesting? Hey, by the way, so tonight is Second Sunday Prayer Gathering. And we'll gather to pray. We, we gather to pray because we feel like we need to pray. We, we need that vital connection with God and we need that connection through prayer with, with one another. I, I, I can only guess, 25 years of ministry, I've always noted that prayer gatherings are the least attended activity of the church, bar none. People just choose to stay away. And Okay, I'm not here to put any kind of guilt trip on any. I'm just here to make a statement. That if God in the flesh found it necessary to spend a lot of time in prayer to God in the Spirit, the Father, how much more do we need that as well? Well, Pastor Mike, I do that on my own. Fantastic. Awesome. Great. Yeah. And there's something, I think, positive about the church coming together. So, hey, we'll be here at 5 o'clock in the community room if you'd like to be part of that. So there it is. Our first step into Luke. Luke the man, why he wrote this gospel, who he wrote it to, how Jesus is uniquely portrayed. Next week we're going to get into Zacharias. We're going to look at, at him, at Elizabeth, at John the Baptist, the one who prepares the way for the Messiah. Now while it is true that, that each of the four gospels present Jesus from a little bit different perspective, one thing is true for all four of them. They all present him as the son of God whose personal sacrifice and resurrection takes away the sin of man and makes reconciliation with God possible. And so one of the things we can never allow to happen as we study something like a gospel, we can never allow ourselves to allow it to become strictly academic. Hmm? It's easy to get wrapped up in the facts. Who is Theophilus? Who is Luke? What was this? What was that? Those are important facts to know. They give light to some things. But at the end of the day, Jesus is not some specimen that you put under your that you put on a slide and stick under a microscope and just study him like he's some kind of oddity. He's a living, breathing person who is God, who offers us reconciliation with God and a life eternal with him. He is a person to be known. He is a person to be responded to. He is a person to be related to. So sometimes, like today, it may seem a little academic, but let's be on guard. Take the facts, but let's not turn him into an oddity. Because he's not that at all. He is unique. There's none like him. He is the living, relatable, responsive son of God who is the only hope 
for sinful humanity. And I ask you this question as I close. Do you know him? Do you know him? Those who come to know him have life. They have life now and they have life for all of eternity. Listen carefully. Those who only come to know about him, they don't have life now and all that is awaiting them is eternal death because knowing about Jesus doesn't cut it. It's knowing him. And he wants us to know him. And he reveals himself in personal ways. And we can grow in that knowledge. The life and work of Jesus is recorded so that we can come to know him and in knowing him receive from him forgiveness of sin, right standing with God, and eternity in God's presence. If you know him, rejoice in that knowledge. Rejoice in that work of the Spirit of God who has awakened you to those things. If you do not know him yet, I would encourage you to pursue that. Pursue it, pursue it, pursue it. Ask the Lord to reveal himself to you. Study the scriptures. Look at the gospel. Those are all ways in which God prepares the heart to open up our understanding and bring us into that relationship. This is On Mission. The Mission Church is located at 12001 Ridgemont Drive in Urbandale. To learn more about our ministry, visit our website at themissiondsm.org or call us at 515-255-2122. We gather for worship each Sunday at 10 a.m. We would be honored for you to join us. Have a blessed day, and thank you for listening to On Mission.